Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with your laser. I told you you couldn't get through. Well, then maybe it's time for a smoke. Mullets and Memories, a MacGyver podcast about MacGyver. Season six. Stuff. Silly putty with a bang. It was a cold and stormy night. Gregory was driving in his 1957 Chevy Nomad. Pete was in the back seat. He pulled over to the side of the road. <laughs> so, Pete... I'm driving Pete in the back seat. What's yeah. next, David? Um, you pulled over because your car died. Oh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> That's the end of the story. That's all I got. Oh, man. I can't get through those. I We have to stop talking about Pete. No, we don't. I miss him. We haven't seen him in a long time. I know. It's been a while. It's been a long was time. It, what was the last episode we saw him in? Was it The Wall? No. It was... Oh, God. It was Dr. Destiny. All right. It was MacGyver's women. I tend to forget that episode even existed because I hate it so much. That's pretty bad. Ugh. Welcome to Mullets and Memories, everybody. I'm your host, Dave Champa. I'm your other host, Greg Klein. This is Mullets and Memories, episode 114. Today, Greg and I will be discussing MacGyver, season six, episode 10, The Visitor. I wish, now I had mentioned this a couple episodes ago. It would have been a great crossover if the X-Files had existed at this point, but we were three years away from the premiere of the first episode of X-Files. Now, do you think that X-Files was inspired by this episode? I would like to believe that there was some inspiration drawn from this MacGyver episode. Yeah. I just, it would have been, it would have been such a great crossover. It would have been great. You know, because you got Mulder, who's all like UFOs are real, UFOs are real, UFOs are real. Scully tries to base everything on science, so like seeing MacGyver and Scully try to like convince MacGyver that this isn't real, I think it would have made a great hour of television. You mean, you mean sc- who? Scully. Scully. Dana Scully. Yeah, right. No, I sorry. David Duchovny, Fox Mulder. Yeah, Mulder. Never mind. Yeah. Mulder's the one that believes in science. Mulder's the one who believes in the UFOs and that this is all real. You've got to believe. And Scully's the one who tries to disprove it all. I think you said it backwards. Did I? I think so. Ugh, whatever. <laughs> Either way, a MacGyver X-Files crossover would have been phenomenal. Oh, my God. So great. But let's um, let's talk about this episode for a minute before we actually get into the uh, the point-by-point this episode went a direction that I was really hoping it was going to go. <laughs> yes. And I, I'll, I'll save my reaction for the end of the episode mm. because it was so perfect. It went there in a big way. Oh, it absolutely did. And, and I loved every second of it. Absolutely every second of Loving it. Loving every minute of it. Um, so as you guys heard in the last episode, episode 113, uh, the way we record these is we do two in a row. So we recorded uh, the one you've already heard. Um, which was an episode that I can't remember off the top of my head because I'm an idiot. That's fine. <laughs> episode 113. And so we're, this is super <laughs> rancid harvest. No, bitter harvest. <laughs> bitter harvest. This is an episode that is fresh in our minds. We just got off watching this, uh, 114. And we, what what Dave's mean to say is that we just watched this movie. We just watched this episode. We did not get off watching this movie. Film. Episode. 
<laughs> oh god and i think we're going to try to do this between now and the end of the series is i think we're going to watch one separately and then watch the second one together i think it makes things a little bit easier and it's it's a lot fresher in our minds, and I prefer I prefer that recording style. I gotta slow down on the beer. <laughs> oh yeah, as a continuation to last week, um, we are still drinking uh, a couple of local beers. Yes, um, I have finished my peanut butter stout, and I am now moved on to the uh, Sam Adams Rebel IPA, boldly hopped and balanced. And I have since had a Sam Adams. The, Something or other. The, the Rebel Rouser. Rebel Rouser at 8.2%. And I am back again with my Gunner's Daughter um, peanut butter stout. <laughs> I think from I'm going to have to be done after this one because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up with a bellyache. No. Or I'm going to get up at 3 a.m. with a bellyache. I know you're going to text me about it. I absolutely will. I have to remember to keep my phone with me. All right, Grego. Should we jump into it? I'm ready to All go. Right, let's do it. So we open up. What you guys just heard there was MacGyver. Uh, driving down an old dirt road because he refuses to acknowledge that interstates exist. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna wax reminiscent or wax nostalgia. hopeful, w- wax hopeful. Perhaps, okay, that he's driving down a dirt road in the Chevy Nomad because he just left the town from the previous episode. And he's doing a Bruce Banner sort of thing. Okay. Where he had his little his little standoff with the, the farming problems and the pesticides, and he gets back in his Chevy Nomad, and he continues, and he encounters this adventure. So wait, he's now driven, because he's back in Minnesota. Sure. So he's driven from California to Minnesota. Think he's on his way home? <laughs> sure. I don't know. I no, don't know. actually, he's not. He's working on a project for the Phoenix Foundation. Right. It's a geoth- some sort of a geothermal... Geothermal project for the phoenix foundation and he's driving he's checking out the hot springs in elm creek minnesota perfect and he's driving through the road and he's kind of like and at this point i love the camera the camera cuts to him driving and it looks like he's driving from the back seat i know it really does <laughs> i thought it's such I was a like, great shot it's just the shape of the 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 window in the chevy nomad but the way they cut it and the way everything was set up it's like is he sitting in the back seat? Is he getting <laughs> chauffeured around in his own car? It totally looked like that. So the the Chevy starts to like sputter, and you get some lights start blinking on the console, and he and he's driving. He looks out the window, and you hear this like low, low like electrical hum, like, <laughs> and he looks out across the field, and he just sees this big phosphorescent blue light, just. Sort of floating in the air above a set of power lines. Yeah, yeah. And at that moment, his car completely shits the bed. Mm-hmm. Everything breaks down. He gets out of the car, and he stands there for a second. He just He's just really taking in what he's looking at right now. And he gets out, and the camera pans over to MacGyver's left. And a man in black... Dressed in black, he's got a black hat, black trench coat. He's leaning against what looks like a hearse, but it's just a big black right, car. Right, and he's just sort of like leaning there, and he casually comments to MacGyver, and he's like, oh, that's impressive, isn't it? And MacGyver's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'd say so. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get myself a closer look. And so, of course, MacGyver's the, the type of person that rather than like stay a safe distance... MacGyver decides to go in for a closer look, and he walks straight towards the blinding blue light. Which is amazing. Which is great. So we Like get, through a cornfield. Yeah, yeah. So he gets there, and he gets a little bit closer, and he sees underneath, he sees a guy, or not a guy, uh, he sees something in a silver suit standing beneath 
the flying saucer, holding an Ikea lamp. Yep, that's exactly what it was. It was a long metal pole with a base. Yep. And, a, and an upright or um, inverted dome lid or top, much like any $5 Ikea lamp that you can find. Absolutely. Nowadays. And so this thing in the silver suit starts walking towards MacGyver. And MacGyver doesn't flinch. He just stands there and watches mm-hmm. this figure walk towards him. Gets right up to him, face to face with him. The silver suit guy takes the Ikea lamp and just, bam, just drills MacGyver in the side of the head with it. Knocks him out cold. Absolutely. And adds to another tally to his concussion count. We have not taken this concussion count, but we're up to at least in the high 30s. Mid to high 30s. Yeah. Yeah. No question. So we kind of like fade out to, you know, I don't know how much later it is, but MacGyver, you know, he's rolling around, he's holding his head. He wakes up and he stands up and realizes that the flying saucer's gone. The silver-suited figure is gone, and this strange man in black who is next to him in his car is now gone. Mm. And he kind of starts walking back to his car, and as he's getting closer to the car, he looks around, and he sees he sees a house not mm. too far away from him. So he goes into the trunk, and he grabs his... He grabs his handheld flashlight. I want to. I want to talk about this because I recognize this flashlight. Yeah, what was it? I, I don't. I was trying to find a model number, but I couldn't. It was a Duracell lantern, like the kind of lantern that had the large lantern batteries underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and and like a handle on the top. You know, it was the the lant the the Duracell had a line of flashlights for a while. It had like their. It looked like their batteries. It had a br- brown trim and like a black body, and it was great. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it! I remember a friend had yeah, one yeah, of these yeah. things. It's like. It just brought back a lot of memories. Absolutely. I had a good time. His little Duracell lantern he pulled out of the back of it his car. It was great. It was great. Back of the Chevy Nomad. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. I, it was, I, I was a little nostalgic there. That's all right. I appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate your appreciate your nostalgia. Do you appreciate it, David? So he starts walking over to the abandoned house and he's he's assuming we're assuming he's trying to call for help. His car is broken down, he doesn't know where he's where he is, and he he starts looking around. He walks up to the front porch, and he starts looking around. He hears this rustling underneath the porch, mm-hmm. and, and a human, a figure, runs out from underneath the porch, trips in the middle of the front yard, and MacGyver kind of like catches up to him, and the boy starts having a bit of a panic attack and turns around and realizes that MacGyver is not alien, mm-hmm. but just a human, and that's what he says. He's like, oh, oh, thank God. I really thought you were an alien for a second, and, and MacGyver's like, uh, wh- uh, what? I don't know what you're talking I about. I don't know what you're talking about, but I am certainly not an alien, and... That's enough to convince this boy, whose name is Tommy Wiley, mm-hmm. who, as we referenced this episode in the last uh, the last episode, Tommy Wiley is played by the boy who played the uh, the Amish boy in The Outsiders. <laughs> Tommy Wiley is played by the boy who played the Amish boy in The Outsiders. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking. You know about. exactly who I'm talking about. He was friend. He fell in love with the outsider. The girl and they got trapped in a well together. They bonded. Um, so I thought it was funny that M- this kid was hiding under this porch of this abandoned house that MacGyver was going to, right? And it was scurrying around and ran away, like ran out from under the porch. And MacGyver saw him, so MacGyver chose to chase him down. Right. <laughs> Such an idiot. Just so weird. So if I was at a house, if I was out and about, and my car broke down, and I went up to a strange person's house that looked like it might be abandoned. First, I probably wouldn't go there. Right. And then some random kid ran out from under the porch like a like a rat or something. Right, right. I'd freak out and be like, what the shit? Absol- I'm not chasing you. It's like that episode of the X-Files. Did you ever, see, did you ever watch the X-Files? Yes. Did you ever see the episode Home? 
I mean, but, I didn't, we've, the, I've been tr- plotting through it on Netflix, but I haven't really watched a lot. But the inbred family who like he like kept he kept all the children that he had with his family like under the porch because they were like deformed mutants. Did not watch. That I haven't one. seen that one yet. No, nope. it's one of the scariest episodes of the X Files. But like that's <laughs> that would be my first thought if I, I saw somebody run out from under an abandoned house. Like these are inbred mutants. <laughs> inbred, <laughs> and, and mutants. I'm going to run away. Thank you, David. I will not be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> Just don't watch that episode. I'm going to. I have Holy to now. Crap. So Tommy tells MacGyver that the people who owned this house that MacGyver was trying to find after after Tommy was. Tripped and then was uh, you know tackled by MacGyver. <laughs> right, Tommy's like, well, the people who lived in this house before they they moved out a couple months ago, pretty kind of mysteriously. We don't know why they moved. They just sort of up and left for for no apparent reason. And apparently, Tommy's dad is the caretaker of this land and this abandoned home until they can find people who move in. Okay, which is inter- interesting. Yeah. That they appointed this father. There are a lot of layers of weirdness here. Yeah. So, okay, we'll talk about it. So MacGyver asks Tommy, like, hey, you know, my car broke down over here. I think it sounds like you live pretty close. Do you mind if I come to your house and and use your phone? No, my dad, no, he won't like it. He's like, yeah, he's like, would your dad mind if I came and used your phone? He's like, well, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and Max's like, oh, oh, all right. That's weird. He's like, well, my dad doesn't really like strangers. And so MacGyver kind of like insists upon it, and he does bring him. And he's like, "Okay, I mean, just don't say I didn't warn you. Be careful. I mean, because my dad doesn't like people." Which is interesting because then we meet Dad, whose name is John, and now mm-hmm. John is preparing dinner. His wife is sick, and so he's preparing dinner for his wife. And Tommy comes in, and Dad's just like, as a concerned father would, "Hey, where were you?" Mm-hmm. And he looks up and sees this strange man because MacGyver followed him in. The kid right. didn't even announce anything. Right? Hey, who are you? Right, and MacGyver's like, "Oh, oh, I my car broke down. I ran into your son out at the uh, the abandoned house over here. What and, were you doing out at that house?" And he's just like, I, "But wh- I was, you know, I was just, you know, just looking around." Uh, we were both watching. MacGyver says we were both watching the light show out there. Right, right. And Tommy or Tommy's dad was like, mm, "Okay, well, go ahead and bring the soup to your mother, and then go upstairs." Yeah. <laughs> And so the dad lets MacGyver use the phone. And he's not as scary as the kid portrayed. No, he seems like a, just a concerned dad. Right. Like, yeah, there's he's nothing. Like, hey, you, you can use the phone over there. And the funny thing is, okay, so MacGyver says, my car broke down. He's like, what's wrong with your car? He's like, I think it's something with the electrical system. Okay, there's so-and-so's garage. You can use the phone over there. Right. And then MacGyver goes over and uses the phone. I don't know where he got the phone number, so I'm just going to say I think he called the operator and asked for that garage. Let's assume that's what he did, yeah. At 8 o'clock at night? Yep. It was dark out. It was definitely dark, so it was after sundown. Yep. <laughs> so he gets on the phone, and we hear Tommy, who's hasn't yet gone in to bring soup to his mom, and he goes, MacGyver! Like, really nervous-like. Mm-hmm. And the dad, uh, Tommy's dad kind of calls his name. Or no, the his mom mother. was like, Tommy, what are you doing? And Tommy, like jitters for a second and then turns and walks into the bedroom and MacGyver kind of gives him a second look like what the it's like MacGyver what and I thought it was going to be because we hear the mother's voice from the next room right and I thought this was going to be carried on like it was going to be this creepy mother in the next room we never see I wish that would have see that would have been so much better come back here Tommy because this mother is and again I know she's sick like Mm -hmm. she's very ill she's you know she has cancer Mm mm-hmm 
but she turned into a loon by the end of this episode. Oh yeah, totally. And again, I I, I would I'd be willing to cut her a little slack because she's probably doing what she can mm-hmm. to try to find a cure. Right. Which is totally fine. So the next morning MacGyver's leaving the motel and he sees the man in black standing outside again. This man introduces himself as Phil Sternwise. Hello, Phil Sternwise. Here's an un, 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 Vortex vacuum. Yeah. Vortex vacuum. We'd like to buy a Vortex vacuum. And the funny thing is, he's British. Yeah. Which fits. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but also makes his character all the more interesting. Yeah. He does. He get, He definitely gives... Uh, he just gives off this very uh, unusual vibe. Unusual. And it's because he's selling vacuum cleaners in like Podunk, Minnesota. Yeah. And he walks up to MacGyver and he's very mysterious and he's like, oh, I didn't see anybody attack you. A, a, a right, because spe- he was out there again. He's like, did you see anything? I, I was, MacGyver says, I'm, I was out there investigating and I got hit by somebody. Yeah, he's like, oh, I, I didn't see anyone attack you. And he's like, well, there have been quite a few unidentified uh, UFO sightings in, in recent weeks. Mm. And MacGyver's like, well, I mean, you know, UFOs are nothing more than just natural phenomena. We can right. pretty much chalk that up to swamp to gas refracted yeah. by moonlight. Yeah, he's like, that's uh, I don't believe in that. And Phil was just like, okay, well, I wish you well in your hunt for this natural phenomena. And MacGyver like turns around and turns back, and Phil's gone. Yeah, <laughs> he's just Oof. like disappears out of thin air. Yeah, it's amazing. It's pretty awesome. Wait, disappears into thin air. Yeah, I'm an idiot, Greg. <laughs> Losing my mind. It's all right. It's all good. Why don't you pour that beer all over your chest? So after MacGyver has now paid $245, including labor, for um, the new, what was it, an alternator? He, he called it a generator. The generator. So I'm curious. Does a, a Chevy Nova have a... Uh, Chevy Nova. <laughs> Chevy Nomad have a generator? Because generally, generators are direct current. Uh, alternators are alternating current. Um, so I looked it up online, but I didn't look that up specifically because he had a part in his hand. Right, and I'm like, how dorky do I want to get? Do I want to fa- do I want to f- part fact check them? Right, that's a Chevy Nomad. Is that the actual generator from a Chevy Nomad? Did you find a picture? Um, I found one that looks pretty convincing. It's close, I guess. I'm gonna say sure. Why not? It's also really expensive considering. I mean, this is 2018, but the one I'm looking at here is 350 bucks. All right, that's- just for the generator. And he paid two hundred and forty nine dollars for labor included right. to get this thing fixed. That's probably. I mean, I that's. I think that's pretty reasonable. I would say so. Yeah. Um. And so the guy was like, MacGyver was like, "Well, what do you? Did you figure out what happened?" He's like, "I literally just put this in a month ago, and now I have to shell out two hundred and fifty bucks to put right. a brand new one in." And and uh, the the mechanic was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you." He's like, "There there have been some UFO sightings in the last couple weeks here." And yeah. They do tend to burn out the electrical equipment in these vehicles. Well, that so. is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. He's like, oh, well, it's, that's sort of what happens here. All right. Sorry, man. Fine. I don't know what okay. to tell you. So I just, I, I thought this was really cool, and I thought it was very similar to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes, it was. I'm betting there was some inspiration drawn yeah. there. That whole scene where Richard Dreyfuss is in his, his truck, and all the lights go out, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everything flies around inside the truck, and it gets the sunburn, or the UFO burn. Yeah. See, it would have been cool to see something like that, like a scene of like stuff just like floating yeah. around past MacGyver. Or like Richard Dreyfus just walking around in the background like, see? See, I told you. <laughs> I told you that would happen. <laughs> you didn't believe me because I'm Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> so MacGyver goes back out to the field to kind of like investigate what's going on. And he, and he comes across this fairly large circle with very symmetrical circles inside of it, yeah. like scorched yeah. into the ground. 
and the kind of camera just sort of pans out a little bit, and you see MacGyver standing in front of this fairly large scorched circle. So instead of a crop circle, picture a dirt circle. Because that's all it was. A dirt circle with smaller circles inside of the circle. That's kind of what, that's exactly what it was. It looked like, it almost looked like a film canister. Like yes. A, a, a big circle with other, <laughs> other circles in it. That's Because that's what it was. It was a large circle with smaller circles inside of it. Symmetric circles inside of it. So we cut back from commercial and MacGyver has pulled a Geiger counter out of his trunk. I don't know. See, he he's walking down from a, I guess where he's staying. Yeah. With a Geiger counter in his hand, some so, where like the lab. It's not even a lab. I don't know where. It's like a weird lab that he made. <laughs> it's home lab. It is a home lab, like Eric Wareheim's home lab. So where do you think he got the Geiger counter from? The lab? Or I was think, it just there? I think he made it out of a toilet paper tube and a smoke detector. I'm sure. Actually, you know what? I, let's go with that because <laughs> sure. I don't like to believe that he just drives around with Geiger counters in the trunk. Of no, the he's there for another reason because he's there because the. I think we might have skipped over it. Um, they did mention that MacGyver is in the area studying the geothermal uh, springs because right. the Phoenix Foundation, the Phoenix Foundation, who is only a think tank, it's all they do, is planning on building a geothermal power plant there. Yep, that's perfect. It's gonna get some more. It's gonna get a lot of work into that town. It's gonna create a lot of jobs for the people of uh, Elm Creek, Minnesota. Greg, you got it. Sure, because then we meet. Gruff old sheriff. The gruff old sheriff. I love He's actually a really nice guy. I love this guy. So MacGyver gets the Geiger counter out, and he determines that the area within the circle is coming back as slightly radioactive. Slightly. There's, some, there's something there. And as he's doing this, we, we see John again, Tommy's dad, who's standing very awkwardly in the field. <laughs> He's got his like legs separated, so like but his he, whole upper body is leaning forward. I want to talk about his stance. You, MacGyver's doing his thing, then all of a sudden you hear "Hey!" and it pans up, and you see the guy there. That stance that you take when you're on a subway and you can't get something <laughs> to hold. Yes, that's exactly what it was. So his legs are like a half a body width too far apart to look normal. <laughs> And he's just standing there like that. I'm like, what are you doing? That's exactly what it was. It was so weird. It's like the weird, like, deliberate points at him when he's like, hey, <laughs> hand up slowly. I told you not to be over here. Get off this land. And he puts his hand back down. Right. And we see the we see the sheriff, the cop, comes up in the background and he gets out. And he's just this, like, gruff old man who I actually, I enjoyed him for the most part. And he arrives and MacGyver explains to him, like... You know, this is what we found. This is slightly radioactive, and and the sheriff kind of just plays it off as like, oh well, you know, those kids in this town, they like to play all sorts of pranks. Yeah, okay, this is a little bit more advanced. I don't think kids could do this, right? (laughs) So this is uranium, (laughs) right? Uranium rocks in the ground. Well, he doesn't. He didn't say that yet. No, but but we learn radioactive rocks in the ground. I'm pretty sure kids aren't going to be throwing radioactive rocks around. I don't know. Maybe they are. Who knows what those kids are up to these days? So. Tommy's dad like just sort of like storms off awkwardly, and the sheriff tells MacGyver, he's like, you know, MacGyver, I think you would be uh, um, of better use if you spent your time working on the Hot Springs project rather than chasing little green aliens. So this is this is what this is what it was. This is what gets me from before. So, so Tommy's dad basically tells MacGyver, this is private property, and that 
Excuse me. Jeez. Yeah, Gunner's daughter. Good beer. Um, so MacGyver says, I thought this property was vacated by the previous owners. And the guy right. says, yes, the bank owns the property, but I am the caretaker, so I'm telling you to leave. Okay, there's that. And then he's telling the sheriff, you know, this guy's here be- causing trouble, and MacGyver asked the state to do a little more research, and then Tommy's dad says, no, I just refertilized this entire field. I don't want people stomping around and doing all that stuff. So... Tommy's dad is farming this land also. Yeah. And they live next door. Yes. That's, it's just that's there's a lot of layers of weirdness that I'm not sure about. It's kind of the idea that I get there. Based on the rest of Tommy's dad's comments as the episode progresses. Yes. That makes sense. I like that. Okay. <laughs> Did that was that clear? I think so. I'm a little foggy headed. Uh, yeah, I gotta daughter. I gotta slow down on the beer. So MacGyver goes back to his car and he opens up the door and immediately notices that Tommy is hiding in the back of the Nomad. Which I don't know how he got in there. I have no idea. No idea how he got into that car. And so basically the deal is, is like Tommy tells MacGyver like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I want to go with you because these aliens came down from their spaceship and they <laughs> want to take my family to another planet. Well, basically because he, he said that... His dad is trying to figure out a way to get them off the planet because they were offered this trip to a land that has a planet that has no war and they're going to live forever and there's no sickness because his mother is ill and his right. dad will do anything to keep her alive, including selling everything and going to another planet. <laughs> right there, like, you know, the mother is a freaking kook, like, an absolute kook. Um, yeah, so like we said, the mother has cancer. She's not doing very well. The aliens are going to cure her on their home planet. And MacGyver was like, "And let me, um, let me just throw out a little guess here. I'm, I'm going to bet that these aliens want money to take your parents back to this planet." Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and they're going to be coming back later tonight to do that. Is that? Yeah, he says that we're gonna we're gonna be taking the journey tonight. Okay. All right. Okay. Um. So, so Tommy, your uh, your parents are getting hosed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like basically what he's trying to tell him. He tells him straight out, like, Tommy, this is a ripoff. These guys aren't real. Who are these folks? He's like, a couple of folks have been showing up to the farm recently, and they're, they're kind of weird, and they, they act really funny, and they look like they've never been sick. Yeah. Which, that, mm. that, yeah. Mm. And so, that, so we meet them in the next scene, because he says that he had actually followed the, these aliens to the nearby campground. Yeah. And apparently they're staying in a trailer. Okay, let's explain this trailer, too. So what kind of a trailer is this, um, Greg? I, get, I, I didn't get a model, but they're staying in an Airstream trailer. Oh, yeah. So the incredibly expensive $180,000 trailer yeah. in, in this kind of, I don't know, podunk campground someplace. Um, it's a very strange it's looking a, campground. It's a, it's a three-axle trailer, so it's super big and it's nice and heavy, all stainless steel. looks pretty spacey. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I'll get back to that in a moment. Oh, absolutely. So so MacGyver gets over there, and he goes to the campground, and he finds the trailer, and he looks over, and he, realize, and he notices that the trailer has Illinois license plates, and he kind of like just sort of locks that in the back of his head. And a man comes out of the trailer. He's wearing a leather coat. He's very so slicked back hair, very pale complexion. Again, looks like a very just prim and proper healthy person. Yeah. And he asks MacGyver, oh, who are you? He's like, are you here because you want love, joy? Yeah. A new beginning, perhaps. <laughs> and MacGyver's like, no, no, I'm good. Perfectly fine. Thanks. And so then this guy introduces himself as Ray Rigel. 
and his wife Dawn, who has now at this point kind of poked her head out the door and tells tells uh, Ray, Ray, you you why don't you come back in here because this man is not a believer. And they tell MacGyver to leave, and they go back into their trailer. Yeah. So a little bit later, uh, MacGyver's back in his weird small research shed lab <laughs> thing. <laughs> Right. It's like a bunker. I don't know. Yeah. It looks, it, it's all like wood paneling every place. It's dark. There are no windows. <laughs> I have no idea. And the thing is, so the Phoenix Foundation sent MacGyver out to check out these hot springs. And here he is in this weird like lab in the middle of nowhere with no windows by himself. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I guess he's sleeping in it too. I th- He must be. So he's he's analyzing like, like a, the dirt sample that he pulled from the ufo landing site and he and he he talks to the sheriff and he tells the sheriff that um this dirt sample has napalm in it perfect when the sheriff's like wait the stuff we used in nam he's like oh yeah yeah it's the same stuff and he he tries to explain to him that like what what this whole he kind of tries to explain the whole story about what he think is happening so he says to the sheriff he's like i'm pretty sure that that these the rigels that that are that are here to take the Wileys back to their own planet. The Wileys, they're trying to con the Wileys out of their money, basically, is really what's happening here. And the sheriff kind of poo-poos him, and he does agree to check the license plate, but he yeah. tells MacGyver, he's like, fine, I will check this. You go back to your work at the Hot Springs. Stay away from the Wiley family. Right. That's my one condition. He's Stay like, away from them. I won't do anything to you. You don't go near the Wileys. Just continue doing your job. So... I love this. So later on that day, the Rigels pay a visit to John. Yeah. They pull in on the caddy, and they tell them that their their planet is a paradise where Sarah will be cured, and they're like, the temperature is 70 of your Earth degrees all the time. 70 of your Fahrenheit degrees. Seren- yeah, of your Fahrenheit. That's right. That's right. I was like, how are they going to do this? It's 70 of your... No, it gets... <laughs> It doesn't get any lower than 70 of your Fahrenheit degrees. That's right. That's what he says. So... What are your degrees, sir? Right. If they're not Fahrenheit degrees, what are they? Right. What what's your what's your temperature? Oh, they're Dahlblock disease degrees. <laughs> they're Fufak degrees. <laughs> Fuck. No more than thirty seven hundred Gubluflock degrees, sir. Which is equal to your seventy Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit degrees. degrees. So I'm sorry, can you repeat that? What was the name of those? What what kind of degrees do you have the, there? Gabluff. Could you repeat that again, sir? Nope. Conflongtins. Conflongtins degrees. 70 flatons. Oh, deg- uh, <laughs> 70 will... You know what? <laughs> Would you like a Vortex vacuum? <laughs> so, they... The Rigels try to warn the Wileys, like, listen, this, there's this MacGyver's kind of like skulking around... He's kind of trying to interfere in this great plan that we have to take you home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so John, we're, yes. we're going to need you to neutralize him. And I love how ah. we're talking in an in English accent. Neutralize. But they have, they're just, they have American accents. It's great. I know, I know. Yeah. We've adopted English accents for these people, but Phil has an English accent. Phil's so fun. Not him. Right. So the next day, MacGyver breaks into the Rigel's trailer... And he's literally pawing everything. He's it's going, he's cabinet, hands on the cabinets, looking at all the all the ho- openings. This also reminds me very much of what episode was it when MacGyver uh, jumped the uh, sequester for the uh, jury duty? Oh, rush to judgment, rush to judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he he 
went to a crime scene when he shouldn't have. This is the same sort of thing where MacGyver breaks and enters into some place to get evidence yep. that would not be admissible in court, and he would, in fact, get arrested. Yep. Absolutely. No questions. I don't understand. So he does. So eventually MacGyver goes into a cabinet, and he finds... Like a like a sealed mason jar, and inside it are these rocks, and he gets out the Geiger counter, and he scans it, and he finds out that these rocks are indeed radioactive. So yes. he collects a few, and he gets ready to leave, but the Rigels pull up out front. Jerks. Cut to commercial, we can come back, and they start to come in, and as soon as they start to come in and they get to the door, Phil appears out of nowhere. Hello, uh, Phil Sternwise, Vortex Vacuums. Oh. You interested in perhaps purchasing a vacuum? And the ride is like, how did you get here? He's like, ah, oh, I, I saw your trailer, so I walked up to it. Right. And so he like, starts like giving this whole spiel about the vacuum. They're not standing that far away from the door to the trailer, but it's just enough so that MacGyver can slowly open the door, close it, and then run away and just hide yeah. behind the trailer. And they don't see his feet sticking out the side of the trailer or anything. Right. But he does. He gets out. <laughs> Escapes. Phil doesn't make the sale in the vacuum. No, unfortunately. The Rigels turn around and go back into the trailer, and MacGyver looks, peeks around the edge of the trailer to look for Phil. Phil is gone. What? Uh, but also, where's the Geiger counter, MacGyver? You I don't know. You did not come out of the trailer, or you run away. When you run, when he runs away, he's not holding the Geiger counter. Well, it, I, it looks like he's holding. he's hiding something in his jacket. But they don't do a good job of showing that that is indeed the Geiger counter. See, I thought those were his rocks because it would be weird because that Geiger counter is bulky. I don't know if MacGyver's <laughs> rocks are that big, Dave. <laughs> I know how big they are, but I'm not going to tell you. Back at the lab, the bunker, weird bunker lab, MacGyver is, he's got like this like little makeshift electrical wire set up and the sheriff arrives and MacGyver, he, he, he demonstrates something to the sheriff. It's what he refers to as an electroplasma discharge mm. that sparks off the ammonia fumes around a high power line. It happens to me every morning in the bathroom. Absolutely. It does the exact same thing every time. So he touches these wires to the, uh, the, his little electrical wires. His fake, his fake power grid setup, his little mo- model of a power grid. Yeah. So he touches it. And sure enough, it creates this tiny little, you know, phosphorescent blue UFO yeah. floating above the power lines. Now, now to me, I don't know if we've really noticed this anywhere else. I feel this is the first, perhaps only episode of MacGyver that has visual effects. I can't remember an episode prior to this where we saw this. Yeah, like something visually appealing to the eye, except for that one weird one where MacGyver had that dream and Pete showed up as a cherub with angel wings and he was flying around in an open field. <sighs> that was so cute. I know, wasn't it? Pete looked so cute. His little tootsies over the flowers, that little diaper. <laughs> oh, and then his, he... his little infant body with a full-grown man head. <laughs> it's like the fly. Help me. Turns into a nightmare. Peach is mutated. Help me, MacGyver! Then MacGyver wakes up in, a, in, in MacGyver's women, and he was having a dream in his own dream. He's like, oh, thank God. I don't know what that was, but I don't ever want to dream about it again. Jesus. So MacGyver explains this whole scheme to the sheriff, and basically he says that the Rigels faked the UFO. 
Then they salted the ground with these black radioactive rocks, which have low-grade uranium in them. Sure. And then used a flamethrower to create the scorched landing site. I love that he explained that he specifically called them out on using a flamethrower. Yeah. Rather than just like a torch. Right. You know, or those things that used to heat up asphalt to do the driveway ceiling and the roof right. work. Just a propane tank. Right. He could have just said some, and, and, and they used something or somehow they scorched the ground by setting it on fire. So, no, he said flamethrower because that's foreshadowing. <laughs> I was going to say that's definitely foreshadowing. And it's amazing. <laughs> So the sheriff is like, uh, f- fuck that. I don't believe you. Um, you're under arrest. <laughs> Wait, what? What I do? And he hands him the arrest warrant. He goes, you were told to stay off that land that Mr. Wiley's been looking after, and you went ahead and you did it anyway, so no, I have I no st- choice but to arrest you. I stayed off that land. Whatever Mr. Wiley said, he's lying. Right. And he's like, yeah, well, I have no choice but to arrest you. Here's the arrest warrant. Get up. We're going. Mm-hmm. And so the Rigels go back to the Wiley farm, and they're like, whoa, we uh, well, thank you for your help. We appreciate this. It's not going to be long now. And um, they're kind of insistent to John, like, you kind of have to turn over your life savings to prove that you've divested yourself of material goods and you are worthy to oh, go with us. Okay. And they're like, oh, what, you need it all? They're like, yeah, well, we need every last penny of your life savings. And John and his wife, they're like, okay, listen, we're going to have the money that night. And I love the wife because she's like, what? We're leaving tonight? Yes. Yes, we have to go. And Tommy's listening in, and he's kind of getting a little freaked out and spooked about it. And I love that you you said this in this scene. They're like, how is the wife this trusting? I know, right? So I understand. Okay, she has cancer. That can be a devastating disease. Absolutely. And I guess among some people in a certain position, you may believe that the only way to get out of it is to fly to another planet via a spacecraft yeah i mean she obviously she seems to be thinking in extreme measures and i don't know how far along her illness is but she's clearly thinking in extreme measures that do you think she uh listens to the band extreme much i bet she i bet she does mm. <laughs> i'm sure she does but like i just think like she's got to be crazy enough to think i mean she's got to be far along enough in her illness to think that people posing as aliens to take them back to their pure planet to cure her that's going to, like, she's got to be a little kooky even before she got sick. Like, good gravy. Or the, the seeds were already there, but now they have been fed and are germinating. I like that better. Mm. That sounds beautiful, Gregory. You like it? I do. It's very scientific. It's great. So the next day, MacGyver's, like, just sitting in the jailhouse, sitting at the, sitting at the sheriff's desk, like, in front of the sheriff's desk. Sheriff comes in because his wife has just dropped off, like, According to the sheriff, his wife is like the best, the best jail cook. Like I know, she cooked the best meals in the jail. I know. And MacGyver's like, that's great. I you know. I really, I think she makes great food. I'm, I have no problem with that. But I really want to get out of here. Well, you post that thousand dollar bail, you can get out of here as soon as you can. He's like, <sighs> well, I just spent everything I had to repair the car, and he's like. The sheriff's like, well, I guess you're going to have to wait till the judge comes back tomorrow morning. And he's like, don't you understand? Like, this is what the Rigels want. They yeah. want me out of the picture for the day so they can take advantage. Right. It sounds like you really like, oh, I even forget the people's names. The uh, the Rigels. It's uh, Don and Ray. Don and Ray. You seem to really like them. Don't you care about them getting ripped off? Right. Don't you oh, I'm sorry. No, John them? and Sarah are Don's, the husband and wife. Don uh, and Ray are the Rigels. Doesn't matter. The aliens. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you all right? Oh, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, sure enough, out of the blue, we have an unexpected savior. It's Phil. Oh, he's Phil. standing at the front, and he goes, he's like, oh, no, I'm actually not here to sell you a vacuum. I'm, I'm here to bail out that man right there. 
And he bails him out. He ba- bails out MacGyver. He must have sold a lot of vacuums. $1,000. Bails him right out. I know, right? So once he's released, MacGyver kind of like, kind of grills Phil for a second here. He's like, and listen, I need to know what your deal is here, man. Like, you you seem to appear out of nowhere, like when I need the help the mm-hmm. most. When people, He's like, what's your deal? And he's like, well, I'm just a concerned bystander protecting my customers. And apparently the Wileys almost bought a vacuum from him at some yeah. point. And I love how MacGyver says, you know, the way that you kind of just appear here and there is it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's like, uh-huh. And he's like, well, I'm just a really good salesman because I just keep turning up where I'm needed. Okay. And then he kind of just disappears again. <laughs> you got it, buddy. So Tommy kind of like, you know, he's riding his bike and he rides over to the campground and he starts letting the air out of one of the tires. Not the right tire, though. It was the tire in the front in front of the trailer so anyone can see him. Yeah. He didn't go to the other side. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, Ray catches him. Yeah. Picks him up and takes him over and locks what him. What are you doing, the, boy? Locks him up in the trailer. Takes him. Uh, that's it. Sorry. Puts you're, him in the trailer. You're done. So puts him in the trailer. Now, I, this is where I noticed something. Okay, so about the trailer and the car, and it made, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. made me think, and I've been doing a little research while we've been talking here. Yeah, haven't gotten a great, great answer, but okay. So the Rigels have this this Airstream trailer. It's a three axle trailer. Mm-hmm. It's rather large, and they only have this one Cadillac. I'm not sure what it is. A 1980s model Cadillac. Yeah, it's white. I don't know. I couldn't tell. So I realized they're probably towing this trailer around with this Cadillac. And you then you were like, no, they couldn't. Is that possible? They couldn't do that. So I'm thinking. So I started doing a little research, and I'm, I'm this this trailer, trailers from the 1980s. I'm just throwing this out because it's kind of interesting. Um, Airstream trailers were somewhere in the range of four to six thousand pounds. Okay, with a tongue weight of somewhere around five to eight hundred pounds, almost. Okay, I'm not sure if that Cadillac would be able to haul it around. Yeah, I wouldn't think. You but, wouldn't think so. Uh, but you look online, you see photos of people doing similar things. The trailers aren't as big. Right. I don't know. So there's a little bit of logistical weirdness there. Yeah. Maybe they're just burning out their clutches every, you know, <laughs> three or 4,000 miles. Oh, we got to replace another one. All right, then. I guess that's all we're going to have to do. And they have no suspension left. I, that makes sense. Possible. <laughs> so later that night, MacGyver, he's got his little electrical demo. And he wants to sort of prove to the Wileys that like these people are con artists. So he walks out and John immediately grabs a shotgun and was just like, I told you to get off this land. I don't want you here. Please just leave. And MacGyver explains to him, like, listen, this is what's happening. Like, you are being conned out of all of your money, and I can prove to you mm-hmm. that these people are not from the other planet. And earlier in this in the episode, you can tell John. He's sort of having second thoughts about this. The mm-hmm. wife's now the one who's fully behind it, and John's like, eh, this, yeah. "This is a lot of money I'm trying to give." Which you Which is people. a funny thing. He went to the bank the same day to get a loan. I guess so. He hadn't really planned it to get a loan against right. the property. Right. Exactly. And so and so John basically is like, "All right, fine. Show me what you have. Let me see. What, let me see what we're working with here." The wife, Show me what you're working with. But the wife comes in, Sarah comes in, and she was like, well, where's my son? Have you seen Tommy? And MacGyver says, I, I have no idea where I have no idea where he You've is. You've taken him away. I don't believe you. It's like, no, no, I didn't. What do you, you, know? you took him so that we couldn't go on the journey tonight. No. And MacGyver's just like, um, I don't know. I don't. That's, no, I didn't do that. 
And so she's just like, well, then you need, you need to get out of the house. And she starts complaining. She's like, this is God's will for us. He, he needs us to go with the Rigels. We're not supposed to be suffering like this. I'm not supposed to be suffering like this. We're supposed to go to this planet so I can be cured. And she kind of convinces John, the husband, to like kick MacGyver out of the house. And I'm yeah. like, man, she's a kook. Pretty, pretty tough. She is a kooky lady. Tough stuffs. And so outside, I love this, outside MacGyver, he like looks around and he sees these power lines like passing over where the cows are in the mm-hmm. barn. Yeah. So he drives around to the other side of the farm, then gets out of the car and then runs back to where <laughs> looked like he ran back to where the car was parked. I know he did. He like because the the property next door, the property that was vacated is it's literally next door. They almost share a driveway. So right. MacGyver gets in his car almost at gunpoint, gets in his car, backs up, pulls into the next driveway, and then runs back to the house. That was great. <laughs> it's amazing. And so he runs into the he, he he runs into the the uh, the cow pen, and he starts grabbing like pieces of barbed wire, and he's getting ready to make a dem this this electrical demonstration. Mm. He's going to do it on a larger scale. He's going to pull like a Nikola Tesla yes. slash Thomas Edison. He's going to electrocute all the cows. <laughs> he's going to zap them all. Yeah, perfect. He's going to turn them inside out. Oh, that's not what I wanted. Oh, to shit. I didn't mean to do that. I wanted to do the thing. Damn it. Son of a bitch. Someone get me a shovel. And Phil just appears. Anything I can do to help? Oh, fuck. <laughs> How'd you get here, Phil? But that's actually what happened. So he starts getting this barbed wire to get the demonstration going, and Phil just like mysteriously appears behind him to lend a hand. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. Still wearing the same outfit. Yep, he's still got the black trench coat, yeah. the black hat, and he's got I think he has like these piercing blue eyes too. Hello. It's pretty it's pretty awesome. He's a really cool character. So we come back from commercial and Greg as as you were just talking about, can this trailer can can this caddy actually pull this stra- this trailer? Yes, it can. Apparently, at least for the 300 feet they needed for the film. Because the Rigels arrive with the trailer right. being pulled by the caddy. <laughs> no, it just uh, the, I don't know. I guess I mean I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, it just seemed a little odd. It the, did. Um, the 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 pr- proportions seemed a little out of place. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely a little out of place. And they tell John and Sarah because they're like, oh, we well we can't go because we we haven't found Tommy yet. We don't know where he is. And the rides was like, oh, oh, he's locked up in our. Uh, he's locked up in our. Trailer. <laughs> they didn't say locked up. They said that he's he's in the trailer. He's in the trailer because. Tommy is having trouble accepting the truth of where he's trying, of where we're trying to send you. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, can we see him?" They're like, "Well, it, it, it might be better if we just leave him there until it's time for us to go." So, do you have the money? And John, John's like, "Hmm, you know what? No, actually, um, we're gonna give you the money when we get to the home world." And and the mm. the Dawn, the woman was like, "Well, that's not how this works. You need to make sure that you're released of all your financial debts, and you need to make sure that you're pure." And John's like, no, right. no, I'm going to give you the money when we get to the home world. And that's how that's going to work. And so she draws a gun on him, and that's enough. And he's like, okay, fine, fuck, great, take the money. Yeah, he had <laughs> $50,000 in cash in his breast pocket. Yep. Handed it right over. Here you go. And it's at this point, John kind of like figures that they're, they're, they're con artists, or as he calls them, shine artists. And he ma- he makes he's like, yeah, you guys are going to, you're fucking with me right now. Right. Like, you're taking all, you're going to take all my money. Yeah. The wife doesn't quite believe it yet. She hasn't quite gotten there. Um, She's slowly like, I don't understand what's going on. Right. And so the Rigels escort John and Sarah out to the yard. 
and MacGyver's like around the corner and he's rubbing the barbed wire on a salt lick to basically improve its uh, conductivity. Yep, right. Um, which is cool. And he tells he tells Phil like, well, oh, just start doing this too. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yes, like, of course. Like, of course. I'm happy Phil, to Phil, it was so funny because Phil saw Mag- saw MacGyver start doing this. He's like, and he comes up with this whole scientific explanation of why MacGyver's doing it. Right. Oh, it'll help the conductivity and do this and this and this. And MacGyver's like, yes. And Phil's like, ah, and just starts. <laughs> he starts, starts, starts doing rubbing it too. the barbed wire on the salt right. like So. I love this. So the Rigels get Tommy out of the trailer, who's like flipping out. Tommy's freaking out. The the husband and wife are now kind of like starting to melt down a little bit, and they lock the whole family. The Rigels take all three of them, lock them in the barn, then set the barn on fire. <laughs> with? With his flamethrower. Fucking flamethrower in the trunk of the Cadillac. MacGyver was right when he said that they used a flamethrower to scorch the ground. <laughs> Ray Rigel comes out with a flamethrower and... Sets the barn on fire. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It was so good. It was, this was and it yeah, it was pretty fun. And then a great fight ensued, or a cat and mouse chase. This is great. This from this point to the end of the episode, I was hooked. I stopped taking notes for the most part. So MacGyver and Phil they throw the barbed wire up into the high power lines and they set off the spark, essentially creating that same thing you saw at the beginning of the episode that mm-hmm. that UFO distracting uh, the Rigels. Just enough for MacGyver and Phil to kind of like split and run in opposite in opposite direction. Now, if now if you were proper criminals and you didn't, you know, you weren't flamethrower happy, right? You would have turned around, hopped in your caddy in your giant airstream, very expertly, you know, back it out of the driveway that you pulled into, which is stupid. With, an, right. with a thirty foot airstream trailer and a right. Cadillac, back it out onto this little dirt road and disappear. That's yeah. what I would have done. Absolutely, but no, they both pursue MacGyver and uh, what's his name and and, uh, and MacGyver uh, and, Phil. and Phil. Yeah, so they get into like a big flame fight basically. So Phil, uh, Phil right hooks Don, the wife, and just knocks her out cold. completely. Just bam, and he's like, "Ooh!" and looks at his <laughs> fist. He's like, "Yeah, that was great. It was great." And so Ray. Corners MacGyver behind a hay bale, sets the hay bale on fire, and basically is getting ready to find MacGyver and flame and torch him. Yeah, he's going to torch MacGyver with the flame. Torch thrower. MacGyver now. <laughs> flame fight. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about on Champ and Klein. We talked about. Never mind. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So Phil kind of like sneaks up behind him, and Ray turns around and gets ready to fire. And you see Phil do this just very brief moment of concentration. And when Ray tries to set off the flamethrower and burn Phil, the flamethrower just shits out. Right. Completely stops working. Yep. And Ray's like, what the, what the hell is going like this? And so it gives MacGyver enough time to come out from behind the hay bale and knock Ray out. And when he gets back right. up, he realizes that Phil is gone again. Yep. Mm-hmm. He goes to see the Wileys, MacGyver does, but somebody has already put out the fire and released the Wileys from their barn. Yep. Fire's gone. Barn's unlocked. Family is safe. Great. Hmm. All right. I'm happy. That's great. Then they're like, "How'd you? Did you let us out of here, MacGyver?" Uh, no. Phil did. It must have been Phil, the little, the little guy with the hat. Yeah, it had nope. had to have been him. Didn't see anybody. Oh man, it's just amazing. So we cut back to the finale of the episode, and they're back in the Wiley's house, and, and the sheriff has arrested the Rigels. He had found enough evidence in their trailer to put them away for a really long time. Apparently, they had like a dozen different aliases. They'd done this so many other times. MacGyver tells Sarah, like, 
They're finding all sorts of new treatments for cancer, like all the time. And the sheriff says, like, yeah, that's yep, yeah, it's he's absolutely right. But we, you know, and he tells MacGyver, he's like, listen, we we really haven't had any luck trying to find this Phil guy. He he checked out of his motel room earlier in the day. And Tommy comes running into the family room or into the kitchen and says, you guys, you have to come out here and see this. You have to come out here now. And they all go running out and we hear this. We're like, oh, shit, here we go. And so Tommy kind of like tells everyone, like, look over there. And and we close out with this. Look. Lord, not again. Wow. More of that electroplasm. No, that one's moving. Yeah, and there are no hydro lines out there either. Well, then what could it be? (laughs) You gotta wonder. Fucking yes! Oh god, it was so good. God, oh my god, it was so good. There was a UFO, David. It's just like, and you have that MacGyver look when he like he cocks his head and he squints his eyes, completely in shock of what he's looking at right now. He's like, when he says that, he says, "You gotta wonder." It's like, yes, MacGyver realizes at this point, like that's something I can't explain. Yeah, and you gotta wonder. Was that the first draft of the Star Wars soundtrack? We heard a couple of riffs in this episode that were clearly lifted from other science fiction movies. Yeah. It's like, meh. And, meh. and I would, I'm going to assume that it was just out of inspiration and, and just homage, then just complete homage. blatant ripping off. Homage. homage. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. like, mm, I love it. And they actually showed this spacecrafty looking kind of thing effects vfx like dart off on the screen then disappear yeah like you saw it right and macgyver like he just he like admits to to the sheriff and everyone's like no this is not the power lines he's like this is moving Mm -hmm. there are no power lines this is something i can't explain it was pretty amazing if it was that was the point i was like okay that's it that's great it was different from the bigfoot episode like because this was MacGyver couldn't explain this. Right. He explained away the Bigfoot thing because it was a guy in a suit. Right. Like, this is very clearly, he has but, no idea what the hell it, he just saw. It's exactly what I, I was thinking of at the end of the episode, like, last week, because in the Bigfoot episode, he's like, oh, it was a guy in a suit. Then he heard, right. in the distance. And here's like, ah, it's just science. And then this freaking spacecraft shoots off in the distance. <laughs> it's awesome. It was it's great. So great. Fucking spacecraft. <laughs> UFOs. MacGyver fucking saw a UFO. Oh my god, I loved it. it then he wakes so- up and he's like, "Ah, oh, shit, son of a bitch!" He's he's just houseboat sick because it's a choppy water. <laughs> because Zoe cut him off again and sent him out into the middle of the bay. <laughs> That's right. oh my god. So okay, so I gave Phil a mullet. Phil was great. Okay, Phil was phenomenal. I gave the well, op- he was what phenomenal. Phil was phenomenal. Phil nominal. Phil nominal. <laughs> he was Phil nominal. I gave the opening sequence a mullet just because, of course, MacGyver would walk towards the UFO. 
not knowing what it was. I just thought it was just, it's and get, such a MacGyver moment. clobbered by a guy in a, a shiny suit with an Ikea lamp. <laughs> it was just great. It was perfect. I, I gave the flamethrower fight a mullet, even though it was short-lived. I just thought it was really funny that this guy's running around with a flamethrower. Yep. And that ending. That fucking ending. Yeah. That's a four mullet episode for me. All right. Not perfect, but it was damn f- fucking good. That's pretty awesome, man. Oh. It's Love pretty it. good. I'm right there with you. I gave one mullet for Phil, the Vortex vacuum salesman. <laughs> That's awesome. Because he was great. I gave a mullet for the Cadillac and the Airstream, because I think Airstream trailers are pretty sexy. Oh, they are. Absolutely. Um, and I don't care if the Cadillac could tow it or not. It was pretty neat. Um, one mullet for the Plasma Trick. Yeah, I liked that. I liked, I mean, I don't know if it's doable. Who cares? It doesn't really matter, but it was fun. And I gave one mullet for the fucking UFO at the end. Oh my god, it was so good. So that's only that's four. It's not a five mullet episode because it was a little weird. It was a little weird and kind of out of MacGyver's comfort zone. But that doesn't mean it wasn't a good episode because it was. This is you have said this before, Greg. This is going to be the point where things are just gonna get weird. Super weird. Things are gonna get weird. What do we have? Twenty six more episodes. So under one episode one fourteen. So not including the two TV movies, we've got twenty five episodes left after this one. And oh my god, we have twenty five episodes in the series left. <laughs> okay. I think we're gonna get some weird ones. This next episode, though, I don't know. It's gonna. It seems like it's not a PSA, and it's not a weird one. So it might be a pretty down the middle episode, but we'll see. Next episode is season six, episode eleven. Squeeze play. That sounds like a really bad porno. What would you imagine that this episode's about? Squeeze play. Just <laughs> thinking of the title, what would you think it's about? Because you're probably gonna be wrong. <laughs> I think it's. Pete going undercover as a male escort. <laughs> is that his is that a stage name? Squeeze play? <laughs> hey. You can call me Squeeze Play. Oh, Pete. Why why have we desecrated your name so? We love you, Pete. We really do. All right. Season six, episode eleven, Squeeze Play. A sports legend is pressured into stealing valuable baseball memorabilia in order to pay off his gambling debts. There's the baseball reference. Do you think that it's our it's our our thug friend? Friggin' what's his name? The guy with from the, with the bad knees. Yeah, what the hell was his name? He showed up in two episodes. Not Ray. I can't remember. Not his Tony. Name. I can't remember his name. But that sounds like it could be a good episode. Yeah. I think it. it uh, it's MacGyver's back to reality. Um, all right, Oop, there goes gravity. So that is going to wrap it up for Melds and Memories this week. If you liked what you heard. Please let us know on Facebook at Champ and Climb Blow Your Mind. You can find us on Twitter at Blow Your Mind 14. You can also find us on Instagram at Champa Klein. You can email us at letusblowyourmind at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website at champacline.com, where not only can you find all 114 episodes of Mullets and Memories, but you can also find all of our episodes of our flagship show, Champa and Klein Blow Your Mind, as well as all 24 hours of our 24 hour podcast, the 1440. So go ahead and check those out. Uh, the other thing you can do is we've gotten quite a few of them in the last couple of days is leave us an iTunes review. It's the best way for us to be more visible to other listeners. Uh, as Greg and I come to the end of this series, we are looking into where we're going to go next. Uh, so we'd like to have uh, we'd like to have some more people to kind of follow us on that journey wherever we end up uh, mm-hmm. in in that realm. So uh, so definitely consider leaving us an iTunes review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, but for all some memories this week. I'm your host, Dave Champa. I'm your other host, Greg Klein. Have a fantastic week, and keep watching the skies. Well, 